Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. Hey, thanks, friends, for joining us for another edition of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking today about uh, an issue that we've been talking about for several months now, that issue of loneliness and uh, some of the chaos and confusion uh, that seems to, especially in light of the pandemic that some of us are still in the midst of right now facing. And uh, I have a special guest with me today, Heather Nelson. She is a research chair at Saskatchewan Polytechnic, and I came across several articles um, that she had written really about this issue of loneliness and anxiety with what our world is facing. First of all, let me just say, Heather, thank you for joining us today. Nice to meet you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and I know you do a lot more than what I probably have discovered uh, online. So for people maybe who are new to you, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do, especially how it connects to this whole issue of loneliness. Sure. I am a researcher and I specialize in patient-oriented research. And what that means is people that have had lived experience Uh, what their concerns are, that's what we research. So when COVID-19 hit, I was talking to senior citizens and we were talking about what being socially isolated meant for senior citizens and how that might mean something different than it did for other people, how they were less connected, that they were going to struggle more than some other people. So we decided to, to, to interview people. So we interviewed 40 people three times over the course of the spring when the pandemic was hitting hardest and we got a lot of interesting answers yeah well i'm intrigued already because that obviously that's one group in my research uh even if there wasn't a pandemic that might find themselves lonely maybe they've lost a partner spouse of 30 40 50 years and find themselves alone what did you discover with those with those 40 friends there were, there were significant challenges with people. Some people coped pretty well, especially people that did have a partner that, were, that was at home with them on a daily basis. They did do better. Those people that were alone, that they were widowed, those type of things, they struggled more. A lot of those people had friend groups. They had lots of girlfriends that they would get together, do coffee with, do those kind of meals, those kind of things with regularly. And during COVID, that was not possible. So some of them were very alone, seeing nobody and having very little social outlet at all. So there was people that were talking about how they felt like they were in jail, Mm. that they were stuck. There were people saying that they had just spent a whole day just crying on the floor. So there was really some intense emotions. And I think this is highlighted in every day, as you've discussed in your research about seniors experiencing loneliness in everyday life but this was impacted so much by them not being able to get out and do stuff they normally enjoy wow now obviously with the, with the pandemic going on i know it was it was heightened what what did you see prior to covid-19 had you been working in this in this area of loneliness and with people are there are there anything that you saw that are some similar traits that just got um, heightened again because of what we're facing now I I had not been researching this area prior to COVID-19, so this is a new area, but the literature on it shows that loneliness among seniors is a significant issue, and it talks about how that can affect their, uh, their health, both emotionally, socially, physically, and so we knew that going in, 
And then those same things were seen in COVID-19 pandemic. There were some other things around fear that were that enhanced that further. Were they ever going to be able to go back and see their friends again? Were they ever going to be able to travel, see their grandchildren? Were they going to get sick? Were their family going to get sick? So that really enhanced those feelings of fear, loneliness, sadness that were occurring. Mm. With, with your experience, I know you've, you've done a lot with a lot of different age groups. Is there some, are there some things culturally that you think in your experience that you've seen that are pushing us towards loneliness and not connecting? I mean, I know we, I know we have all of our devices, so it looks like we're connected, but are there some things that you see culturally that we're doing that are pushing us into this issue of loneliness? Well, and I think uh, devices certainly have a role to play in that. You have 5,000 Facebook friends, but how many actual friends do you have? That's a significant concern. In this study, it was a little bit different because seniors weren't as connected with phones. They weren't as connected Mm. on social media. So that was seen during COVID. They were actually using social media for the first time. Some of them had just got smartphones or computers just had their first Facebook account, those type of things, because they were using that as a way to connect with friends. So I saw people using, um, there's bridge programs online so that they could get together with their friends at a virtual bridge table and play bridge. Wow. And they all said, this is not as good as meeting someone in person. This (laughs) is not the same thing. You don't, you don't hug your grandchildren. I had a, a, a pastor from, from Canada here tell me that when you're dealing with someone that's in crisis and you can't give them a hug, what does that mean? Mm. So it's, I think in the COVID pandemic, I think being able to connect virtually has been really important, mm. but I don't think it replaces that being able to connect uh, in person. Right. They were still experiencing loneliness in spite of that. So, yes. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I was talking to someone the other day and they, they just said that the power of touch has been lost during, during the pandemic because, uh, and it's interesting, they mentioned grandparents too. They said their grandparents were so excited because they could see their grandkids through the screen, but they said there's nothing like hugging our grandkids. So that, that power of touch. Are you seeing uh, anything interesting when it comes to loneliness, uh, maybe among the younger population? I know they seem to be more apt to connect obviously with with technology and social media but has that solved the loneliness problem from your uh, experience no i would say it has not i think there i think i am also an instructor within the nursing program at saskatchewan polytechnic and a lot of them they're meeting only online we have no in-person classes they're seeing very few people and they're feeling more and more disconnected so mm. the more time they spend in front of that screen staring, talking to other people, the less connection they're feeling. Yeah. So there's a lot of students struggling a lot during this time period. And I'm, I'm guessing some of that, I mean, I have a couple of college kids myself uh, of my own, so I, I kind of watch them and see what's happening. I know some of it is just the lack of being able for socialization to connect. I, I, I'm trying to remember if this was you, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm right here, but I think it was you that had done a study how things with socialization, even like sports, helped uh, some uh, children and students in low-income situations. What's some of the studies that you found in that, in that area? So that's, uh, that's something I'm working on right now is the, the social benefits of sport for children. And 
they're showing things like fun and friends. They sound really simple, but they're harder to come by these days. Mm. And so getting together in a sports situation is an opportunity that, for them to have fun and friends. Parents are telling me they need to get their children away from screens so they can meet other people and meeting other people and having those social interactions is preventing bullying and all kinds of other things at school. So they said their children are happier, their children are better behaved, and that they're able to ma manage their emotions better when they participate in sport and get out there with other children. Wow. Do, do you think because of, uh, again, I know it maybe is just a guess from experience, but do you think we have, especially for the younger children, we have redefined without maybe even telling them, but we've redefined friendship to the digital platform so that they, they don't even really understand the socialization that you're talking about or playing sports. Do we need, do we need to re-educate or retrain the next generation? How do, we, how do we deal with that when they're used to, like you just said, communicating on a screen and, and social media? Well, I have two children at home as well, a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. And the 16-year-old told me just the other day that instead of me coming up and interrupting her, that I could just text her what I wanted next time. And I went, no, that's not going to happen. You're kidding me, right? But she didn't see it as an issue at all. She didn't see that as an antisocial behavior. She didn't see that as problematic that we wouldn't have a conversation. She just thought this is way more efficient instead of you bothering me. You can just text me the message and I'll do it. Mm. So I think how they view communication and how people view connection is very different with the younger age groups. And the COVID is highlighting it too, because my kids were removed from school in the spring and now they're only in school half time because of COVID. So they have less actual mm. physical interaction with other children. So it's in the spring, it was really hard on all of the children. Yeah. I, that's that's so true. Your your kids are not abnormal because mine do the same thing. <laughs> Matter of fact, they just. But uh, I asked my daughter the other day. I said, "Do you do you know that you can actually make phone calls on this? You know, you actually can talk on these things." Said, oh no, I had no idea. Uh, technology. Do do you think? Um, you know, one of the things that I wrote about in in my book, The Lonely Solution, is um, recalibrating and in a sense retraining the younger generation uh, about communicating because they are used to it and and to as you said it's to them it's just more efficient and 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 i gotta admit i'm that way sometimes i mean i will leave my house and drop off dry cleaning go to the bank get food never get out from behind the steering wheel because everything's just fast food drive through you know and you go 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 and i think we we even tend to sometimes think of adults as that being more efficient but we're missing out on the actually getting out of the car walking into somewhere having a conversation with somebody um, Wow, how do we how do we overcome that? How do we how do we go back to yesterday? <laughs> and I I don't know if we can. I don't know if we should, but I think we need to make changes, right? Mm, yeah. um, I know, and I think parenting has a big part in this role too. We're just assuming that it's okay because the kids want to be on their devices that we should just let them. Mm. And I think there has to be restrictions and guidelines around that. When I take my iPad away from my son and I say you have to do these jobs before you can do something which we do on a regular basis the next thing you know he actually finds his sister and I hear them laughing and giggling upstairs and having a great time whereas if I left him with that iPad that wouldn't be what happens so I, I think we have a big role to play in how we're we're 
what are we expecting of our children, yeah. how we're expecting them to interact with us, their siblings, their friends. Where, where do you think, um, again, just your experience, we should be going, are, are, there, are there good places, I guess is the question, to, to find community and friendship? I mean, um, you mentioned bridge and some, you know, playing cards for the older folks. And of course, now that's hard with COVID, but, but in a pre-COVID world, hopefully in a post-COVID world too, when we go back to some semblance of normal, where are those places? Because I talked to some, some of my friends who are young 20s. Uh, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, nah, I'm not interested in that. It's not worth the investment. Any place that I suggest, here's a good place to find community. Um, they, they really don't see the need for it. Uh, what, what are some places that we could steer uh, and, and, and uh, try to direct any age group to finding healthy community? Um, well, in, a, in my senior study, one of the things that seniors really missed, and some seniors missed, they said more than anything else that they couldn't do was they missed church and they miss volunteer activities. So mm. those were two really big things for seniors. And I think they're not only important for the seniors, but they're important for the community at large uh, for them to be involved in these activities. But um, for other age groups, obviously I have a big interest in sport. I think sport is a great way to meet people not and, and to have an activity because it gives you that something to do where you don't have to, okay, I don't have to come and introduce myself to you, Jack, and say, and start a conversation we can do sport and then that naturally evolves. Right. So I think whatever those activities are, if you're not interested in sport, but you're interested in music or board games or any number of things, but to, instead of to do it online, to physically go to a place and do those things, I think it's important. Yeah. Th those are two great ones. I'm so glad you mentioned those volunteering, I, I think is huge. Uh, I agree with you. I think sometimes we volunteer and help someone else. It makes us feel better about ourselves. And all of a sudden we realize, well, we're not as lonely as we thought, or, or maybe we have it better than we thought uh, because we helped someone else in need. And, and then you, you mentioned church. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I think for some reason I continue to hear, again, the younger crowd not lean as much into spirituality and church. Do you think there's a reason for that given your experience having your own kids and, and just your experience in life that that seems to not be a go-to for that age group anymore? Well, and, and I'm just speaking from my own experience in this one with my children. I think there, I think there's a middle gap where people aren't involved in church. So you're involved in church when you're a little kid and your parents take you to church and then you hit teenager, young adulthood, and then you go pull away from that. And whether you come back when you have children again, that's when I came back. I had children, so I wanted my children involved in church. So there's that middle ground where you're a young adult, where you're not involved in church. And then a lot of people never come back from that. Mm. And I think if you weren't involved in church as a young child, you're unlikely to take it up right. at a later point. So it's, I think it's getting that those young adults, the late teens, those people interested and connected with church and having a reason to go there. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was telling a friend of mine, again, I've got a lot of young 20-something friends just trying to keep myself young, feeling young at least, I guess is the excuse. Uh, but he was just sharing with me, ah, you know, I, I mentioned church and ah, I, I've been there, done that. And, 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 you know, once you start peeling the onion and finding out what happened, he had a bad experience. He was, he was hurt. His trust was breached. And I just said, hey, happens, it happens everywhere. Your trust can be breached, you know, with a friend, it can be breached with a spouse, a family member. Uh, and so I just said to him, you know, um, 
have you, have you ever gone to a restaurant where you had bad service and bad food? And he's like, well, yeah, sure. I said, so did you stop eating out? No, of course. I'm like, well, that's the same thing. You have to keep investing. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're flawed people. We make mistakes. You're going to get hurt. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Cause I, I agree. Uh, I think again, those two volunteering and, and, uh, uh, church are two great places to find community and healthy community. It may take a while for you to, to find it, but, mm-hmm. uh, but healthy community, which is what we, what we really need. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, I could keep talking all day, but I know you're busy. This has been, been great. If they wanted to reach out to you, find out more about your, uh, your studies and your research, what's the best way for them to connect? Um, uh, on, either through sasspolytech.ca or appliedinterprofessionalresearch.com. Either of those things will get you to me, and then I'd be happy to, to chat with anybody. Awesome, awesome. It's Heather Nelson. If you want to kind of Google, and you can find out more information about her work and her research, and I'm grateful to spend a little bit of time with you today. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org.